0: Uh, We tried it. We cooked up some bear tenderloin, and man, like, when I say it changed my life, it changed my life for sure. All right, Brett.
1: (laughs) It's been a crazy, crazy day. Uh, Thanks for jumping on here. Uh, This podcast, I know we'd already had you on uh, actually not too long ago, Mm -hmm. but I, I wanted to do this one because... It's kind of a topic that drives me crazy a little bit, and I'm sure it drives you being that you're a, a, a bear fanatic crazy as well. Right. Um, I keep seeing people and hearing people talk about how the fact that, like, don't eat bear, you'll get sick from bear. And I, I actually thought you'd be the perfect one to talk about uh, bear meat and how to cook it and is it safe to eat. And, it's, and it's, it's interesting to me that, like, we keep hearing about this and it keeps coming up because right. every bear that we've ever harvested – Um, you know, we did some roasts and some of that, but honestly, for the most part, we just make sausage out of it and we make breakfast sausage and all that. But, um, let's talk about like, is, first of all, is bear meat safe to eat?
0: Yes and no. Um, and I I say that because if you cook it to the proper temperature, then yeah, it's safe to eat. I mean, I've been eating bears since, uh since my first one in 2020 twenty, have never ever felt sick or been sick from it but also you know no because if you don't cook it properly then uh, they have trichinella the parasite and the the effect of trichinella is called trichinosis which is another thing that people often get confused but you just taught me something yeah so the parasite itself is called trichinella trichinosis is what you get from the parasite and it's in it's a parasite that's, uh, encased in a, in like a shell and it embeds into the muscle grains. So when you eat bear meat, your stomach acid actually melts that, uh, that encasing. And then it releases the parasite and it takes like three weeks for your symptoms to show up. Really? And yeah. And so you all this so three weeks later, you'll have like diarrhea and like really sore, uh, like muscle pains and stuff like that, you just feel sick. So a lot of people don't even know that they have it.
1: So what other kind of meat would they say, uh, just to make sure you cook it well before you eat it?
0: What other kinds of meat? Yeah, um, like mountain lion is another one. Pork. How about chicken? Chicken. That's right. Por- pork. Right.
1: So that's that's kind of my response always when people say like, oh, you know, you shouldn't eat bear. Or you have to, eat. but yeah, you could eat bear, but you got to really make sure you cook it well. Right who eats raw chicken, right? Who orders their chicken at a restaurant? Rare. Right. Right. Yeah. Who orders their pork rare? Exactly. Right. So in my mind, it's not a lot different. I just think it freaks people out that, that there is potentially this parasite in bear, but uh, you know, I actually found, uh, you know, uh, something that happened to me when I, when I harvested a moose in Canada, mm-hmm. um, the the butcher called me and he was like, "Hey, you got all these little worms like in your meat." Oh man! And I was like, "Oh no, that's like, I mean, uh, the, we took care of it. It was it was cold out, like right. everything about it was fine." And and so I called a biologist up in northern Alberta, got talking about it, and it was when I say worms, like we're not talking giant, you know, right, freaking right, right. maggots, right? Yeah. Um. Basically, you couldn't see them unless you looked really, really, really close. Yeah. And and uh, and I actually wish, maybe you can Google, Henry, uh, like worms and bear meat, or maybe even parasites and, uh, not bear meat, I'm sorry, moose meat, um, or worms and moose meat. I don't remember what it was. I should have become more prepared for this podcast. But basically, a ton of the moose up there have this worm. But basically, no, when you cook we- the meat, it just goes away. And also it's right. so small that no one really notices it. Um, but when you cook it, it kills that worm. And it's also not a worm. That's like, um, you know, you're not going to get sick from it. Right, right, right. Um. So the point is, is it's bear meat is not the only kind of meat that you can potentially yeah. get sick from or that potentially just has other things in it. Right. 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 It's just gotten this reputation, which again, it's gotten a reputation that it deserves, but also mule deer. Yeah. Right? You kill uh, chronic wasting disease, right? Right. And, and they're testing meat. Uh, that's a lot of the game stations. They really want you as a hunter coming through. One, they want to know the harvest numbers and how the, how, right. the, how the deer populations are doing health-wise. But they also want to test these animals to find out where uh, trichinosis is. Right. Uh, right. Buffalo, uh, uh, have brucellosis.
0: yeah 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 so there's a
1: lung disease isn't it i think so and and so the point of all this uh right now actually i just heard a uh, a report this morning that there's potentially a big epidemic happening uh this year it's going to be maybe pretty bad and it may affect the turkey and the chicken market which is bird flu right uh bird flu they found it it started out down in uh uh Right near Antarctica, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's actually damaging right now the penguin population down there. No but kidding. now they're seeing it spread, and they're actually just had to euthanize was it like a hundred or fifty thousand or something turkeys in like Ohio. Damn. Um, so, you know, I'm getting a little off here, but I'm not. Yeah, the yeah. the point it's, is, is there's there's all kinds of potential diseases, potential things right. you can find in meat, potential things that could go wrong uh, if you don't cook your meat, right? Across the spectrum.
0: Yeah. right. Well, one that, um, you know, a lot of people miss is, uh, like, I mean, seafood, for instance. And uh, a good example of that is, you know, last time I was on here, we talked about commercial fishing. And so, I was uh, commercial fishing for cod. And, man, after, first of all, after seeing so many cod, like, I'd, I really have no desire to eat it, <laughs> you know. But also, um so many parasites in cod I've never seen anything like it and folks don't realize that you know but they eat it you know I mean it's all in their gills you know like we don't fillet them right there on the boat but same thing at the processing stations you know there's worms all over them inside and it's like that for a lot of fish too I mean they're wild I, I, they're wild
1: animals adventure to say you I already know this is the fact you don't want to go uh visit a huge uh pork slaughtering plant you know see how your hot dogs are made (laughs) no (laughs) not at all (laughs) you know so uh so with that we all understand now that that there's some inherent risk at at different kinds of meat more more risk uh in some than others you actually hear people say like i got sick and it's like oh what happened you you get food poison it's like yeah i think i got some bad fish like and we just accept it but nobody says hey don't eat don't eat fish, right, or don't eat seafood. Right. You just understand that maybe you were at a restaurant that didn't refrigerate it good enough; it sat yeah. out too long, um, and that can happen really quickly. So, if we acknowledge that bear meat, uh, much like other meats, needs to be cooked to the right temperature, right? Let's actually talk about about that. About how how do you like to prepare your bear meat? And actually, let's let's first go into the facts of like what temperature does trichinosis actually die at?
0: So, according to the USDA, um, and this is something that my brother actually told me, he has a background in uh, food service, and he brought it to my attention one day that, you know, Triconella's killed at 144 degrees, and I was like, no, it's not, it's 160, 1C, because that's what you always hear from folks, and he's like, no, and he sent me the data uh, straight from the government website, so the USDA... I don't remember what year it was, I think it was 2018, um, put out a report under the Food Safety Inspection Service, you know, something like that, and they put out a chart for um, temperatures that is killed at, so 144, it's instantly, but what they did also find is that if you do it at 140, it takes two minutes. Mm-hmm. You do it at 135, it takes seven minutes or, you know, whatever those numbers are. I don't have them. Yeah, exact,
1: I think, I think at a, actually down into the 120s, I think at like 125, but it takes like 21 hours. Right, right. So, so the point is, is like, you're, you're, you're putting exposure, uh, you know, same as a human, right? Like you can withstand so much temperature. Right. But how much temperature for how long? Exactly. You, you know, so. Exactly.
0: Um, So in that. Would you say 140 range? Oh, uh, 144 is instantly okay. Yeah, and so whenever I'm cooking my bear, um, you know, so to continue that story, my brother called me, and he's like, "Well, you want to, you want to try it?" He was like, "We could put it in the sous vide machine, and then that way we know exactly what temperature it's at." Because the deal is, is that every square inch of that meat has to hit that temperature, you know. And I was like, "Yeah." I'd, yeah, I'll try it. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. it would, it would be a game changer to not have to eat bear well done. I mean, because nobody wants to eat steak well done anyway. I wouldn't eat a ribeye well done, right? You know. And so, uh, we tried it. We cooked up some bear tenderloin, and man, like when I say it changed my life, it changed my life for sure. I mean, really? it's yeah, because you can, especially hunting fall bears like I do. Um, you know, eating a lot of berries through late July, August, September, choke cherries, you know, huckleberries, blueberries, depends on where the bears are at. So they the meat has like a a slightly sweet taste to it. And so if you're not cooking it well done and cooking all the flavor out of it, you actually get to taste that a little bit better. You know?
1: Much like beef. I mean that's why right. that's why, you know, I like eating a medium rare steak, right? right. You, you're you're getting those flavors. Exactly. Versus a, a well-done piece of meat where a lot of the juices have evaporated, flowed out of that cooked right,
0: out. Right, Eating shoe leather. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, and just like us, I mean, animals are what they eat, you know, bears. If you shoot a bear that's been living up in the mountains its whole life, then it's going to taste like what it's been eating, you know, and and here for the lower 48, they're not really eating fish and stuff like that, like they are up in Alaska. Yeah, yeah, let's
1: talk about that for a second before you continue on with where you're going with the black bears. Yeah. Um, this this is more of a black bear discussion, and I don't know that you or I are necessarily experts on brown bears, but no. I, but <laughs> I do know I've talked to Cole Kramer about this. I mean, people eat those brown bears as well, right? Um, but to your point with their diet, you know, a lot of those brown bears, uh, they they have food available to them year round. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's why they're not really hibernating. They might slow down a bit. They might get right. a little less active, but they're not going in a hole underground the ground and just going to sleep all winter. right. Um, but those bears are eating a ton of like washed up dead shit on the, on the, on the beach. Yeah. Like you see the pictures of them catching salmon and for sure, that's a huge part of their diet for several, you know, months in the, in the summer and fall. Right. Um, but but that's still only just two or three months out of an entire year where a lot of times, uh, you know, like Cole said, they'll they'll find a freaking whale washed up on the beach, right. a walrus, sea lion, whatever, yeah. and they will roll in them. They'll eat on them. And, I mean, think about how big of a, a whale is. I mean, they'll eat on those things for yeah. a couple weeks. Exactly. Um, As it's rotting. and And if all that they're really consisting of is – is fish, uh, of some form, dead, rotten, or fresh, uh, that meat's definitely going to have a different taste than something that's eating berries or eating deer, um, you know, more of a red meat diet. And, and frankly, let's face it,
0: uh, our bears here are mostly, uh,
1: vegetarians.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. And, you know, I mean, in the spring they'll get after deer fawns, elk calves and stuff. I mean, but for the rest of the year, They're opportunists, you know, I mean, if, if they happen to catch a a fawn that is running around without any problem, if, you know, it's a pretty big if later in the year, but, but yeah, I mean, they pretty much are vegetarians or they're eating gut piles from people's deer. Yeah. Come,
1: come midsummer, uh, you know, it's going to be pretty tough for a black bear to catch a, a a full grown deer or an elk, unless it's, you know, again, one of the sick and the old, Right. Um. So their, their diet definitely goes, I mean, when we bear hunt in the spring, when you bear hunt in the spring, what are you looking for? Grass. Green grass. Mm-hmm. Green grass. Right. So there you go. Those bears are grazing right. like crazy in all spring mm-hmm. until, until those calves hit, until those fawns hit. Right.
0: Right. Which and is why the, predator calling is so effective in the spring.
1: And then once those calves start getting bigger and uh, you know, they're kind of starting to, to become pretty capable uh, what hits in the mountains that that we all love? Yeah, huckleberries, huckleberries, <laughs> yeah, baby. <laughs> yeah, no
0: kidding, man. No kidding. So that kind of leads yeah. into
1: I think where you are headed with 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 what you were talking about with what these bears. Yeah, eat.
0: yeah. I mean, you know, and bears are they're just like any other animal. Bears especially are food driven. You know, I mean, that's pretty much all they do is eat. You know, and uh, so yeah, those those huckleberries hit or. You know, like kind of like that midsummer, like the choke cherries hit. Um, Western Washington, for instance, you got a lot of blackberries. Yeah, we get wild raspberries and strawberries. Right, right. And, uh, you know, so they start switching their food, but all these things are just loaded with sugar, and they're eating them so they can fatten up for the winter. So whenever you shoot a fall bear, like you skin it, and you get three inches of fat on there. And you got to think, like, if you are what you eat, and all they've been eating is berries, it's, you know, it's like a, it's like a whitetail that's been living up in the mountains its whole life. Which one's going to taste better? That one or the one that's been living down in the farmer's field eating right. alfalfa?
1: Right. You know? Yeah. Or like our steers. I mean, a, a grass fed versus a, a corn fed. I mean, right. it makes a big difference in, in the makeup of that, of that meat for sure. Right. Right. Their fat.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, you know, me and my brother, we cooked up this fall bear, those tenderloins, you know, cause we wanted to. We wanted to give it the best chance that we could, you know, to not be like turned off by it, you know, and like tenderloin it, it doesn't get much better, mm-hmm. you know, backstrap being a close second. And so we cooked it up and you could taste the sweetness and it has this real, I, when people ask me a lot what it tastes like and I always tell them it's like a sweet beef. But in reality, it's, uh, it really is like its own. Thing. It still has, like, this flavor that I can't quite describe, but I love it, man. And the and the great thing about sous vide, too, is, um, you know, for those that yeah, are what is listening. Sous-vide? Yeah, so for those that don't know, it's um, it's precision. It's like a precision water bath that you can cook food in. And so you have, like, this tub, and it's insulated, and then you have this machine that circulates water. And it brings it up to a certain temperature and then it circulates it but it keeps it at that temperature so it doesn't let it go I mean it might fluctuate 0.1 or 0.2 degrees but it it does it doesn't stray from that at all
1: it's like a traeger with water
0: pretty much yeah and so you vacuum seal your piece of meat you put it in there and so for like for bears you know to be safe I put mine in for 147. Something like that because usually like the internal temperature will still be around like one forty five, mm-hmm. give or take. So, you know, and then whenever I take it out, I I make sure to temp it with a thermometer, probably six different spots. I mean, you know, if a if a piece of back strap is, you know, like that. So, you know, some kind of shape like that, just kinda of temp it in a couple different spots. And then you take it out, um, Season it, or in some cases re-season it. They technically you're supposed to season before you put it into the sous vide, and so that it kind of soaks into the meat, you know. But yeah, like a marinade. Of, yeah, but a lot of times I'm just taking mine out of the freezer because I'm on the go, and yeah. so um, you know, so I'll take it out, temp it if it's at temp, kind of pat it dry, season it, sear it, and that's it. And the and the cool thing about sous vide is that because it's vacuum sealed and it doesn't ever get over that temperature. For one, um, your cooked layer when you sear it, like if you take a steak and you cook it on the grill and you cut into it, you might have that medium rare on the inside, but you'll notice as it goes towards the outside, it gets more gray. Right. So in a sous vide, that line is actually like really tiny. You Mm -hmm. know, it's just the surface that's seared, and then it's that same temperature meat, you know, top to bottom. And then not only that, but you also retain more moisture. And so you see a lot of steaks when you cook them on the grill tend to shrink a little bit. But for sous vide, doesn't really do that. Now, it might puck up a
1: right. little
0: bit. But, you know, so you get more retention, more precision temperatures. Um, Plus, I mean, like you can cook corn and, you know, other stuff. Like we cook corn on the cob in the sous vide, and I'm not lying to you. It is the best corn on the cob I've ever had. Really? In my whole life. You know, cause like that butter soaks all the way down into it. You know, you put it put it in a vacuum sealed bag with butter, dude. Really? Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it's um, it's fun. Now, did really.
1: was it you telling me that uh, that fall bear you'd gotten basically the fat was like pink or purple in it because yeah. of the huckleberries? Yeah. So yeah. let's talk about and and I I wanted, I do want to jump back into different ways you cook your bear meat. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe where you can find recipes and stuff like that. Right. Um, but the, uh, the bear fat, the uses of the bear fat. Yeah. Where What, um, what is so special about that? Because I see like the rivets and different people talking about rendering right. fat. Why is bear fat such a big deal over everything else?
0: I think, I think it's a, a couple different reasons i mean for for one it's kind of just a cool thing to do you know like i mean it's like oh you know i got bear fat like it sounds cool but it's it's a way for you to make even more use of your animal you know you don't really take fat off a deer there's nothing or there's rather there's not a lot that you can do with it but bear fat is more similar to beef fat where you can cook with it you can um you know, use it for leather, use it for uh like reconditioning metals, yeah. cer- certain metals, you know. And so it has it has a lot of these different uses. I mean, we've made chapstick out of it, we've made pie crust with it. Um, we've made like our roux for gumbo with it. I mean, we sear our steaks with it, we cook our eggs in it in the morning exclusively now because you get a lot more of a a fluffy, flavorful. Egg, hmm. um, searing steaks it it makes for a really good sear, but the smoke point on bear fat is really low. So like, if you're searing a steak in bear fat, like have your windows open because your smoke alarms like probably are gonna go. Oh, off. really? Yeah, yeah. It's a great flavor, but I don't know why the smoke point is so low. I don't know if that's something that's uh, more indicative of like natural fats versus um like olive oil or something like that, where you have to go through like a refined process. To get it.
1: Right. I don't know. How how do what is the process? How do you render
0: fat? So I usually cut fat off my bear like in strips. And then I leave a little bit of fat on the meat that I intend to cut up and use for processing. So like I'll leave like a maybe like a quarter inch on like the back straps for instance. So when I cut it into steaks it is more similar to yeah. beef. And so the rest of the fat that comes off of there, I'll cut it into about, like, uh, you know, cubes or pieces, you know, maybe about that size, something like that. And then. Like inch and a half, two inches square. Yeah, pretty much. People that are listening. Yeah. And so, yeah. And so (laughs) uh, I put it into, like, a usually a pretty thick bottomed pot, um, just because they tend to heat up a little bit more evenly and more slow, because it does burn really easily and so I put those into a like a a big pot and put the temperature probably about medium you know and just let it slowly render and you'll start to see the the pieces of fat get smaller but liquid start to build up right it's in like there melting butter yeah it's yeah. like melting butter exactly and then you basically do that until uh you know the you don't really see much more coming and it, it's kind of tricky because if you don't catch it and stop it fast enough, it will burn really quick. And your fat will come out gray. Like whenever you put it into the the fridge, it goes from like that nice golden yellow to a solid white. But if you've burned it, it will come out with a slight gray mm. tint to it. And you can, I personally can taste it. Now I've given it to folks and they've cooked with it and said that they can't tell a difference. So you give away all your burned fat. Yeah, <laughs> pretty <laughs> much. Keep the good stuff for myself, you know. Yeah. I share the good stuff too, man. I got, I have so much bear fat at my house. Like, I mean, I just found another fifteen pound bag in my freezer Holy that shit. I forgot about. That needs gonna, to get rendered.
1: I'll have to get just a little uh, jar of it from you and have dude, my I'll wife you, try it.
0: I'll give you as much as you want, man. Seriously, like I told uh, one one of our new employees, Jess downstairs. You know, she likes to bake a lot, and I was like, dude, you can have some. Like, that'd be yeah. totally cool. You know, that's cool. Um. Because it is, it's good for bacon. It's good for, you know, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, cooking wise, really. But it does have more purposes than that too. And and someone that kind of really popularized popular is is that what I'm saying? Popularized, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, someone that made bear fat a lot more popular in more recent years was Clay Newcomb. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, I mean, he's got a whole podcast named after it, the Bear Grease podcast. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so it's like, I, I think that, I think that in general, people's want to connect with their past has made so many people curious about it. The same way that, you know, we make knives to be passed down to other people because that's what it used to be like in the old times yeah. or even still today, you know? I mean, it's a so, form of,
1: it's a form of, um, like frontierism right where you're uh you know gardening you know where your food comes from you're growing your own vegetables right um you know there's a few things that are lost arts uh things like that things like sewing you know making your own clothes and you know stuff like that but uh it's another form it's taken it a little bit further of like knowing where your food comes from and then being able to use your your animal for multiple purposes i mean right uh you know, obviously the native, nobody did it better than the native Americans. Right. Yeah. And and they were using the entire animal. I actually just finished the book undaunted courage uh, about the Lewis and Clark expedition. Yeah. And uh, you know, quite frankly, even back then white people were uh, so much more uh, in tune with being able to get out of what they, right. what they could uh, of uh, whether it was an animal or, or uh, clothing or anything else. Steel. Right. Um, because the the necessity they had to, right, yeah, and obviously yeah. the Native Americans back then had to an even greater degree. it was really interesting again, getting off topic but uh uh Lewis and Clark uh you know got to places where they had to to make a canoe, and they were using elk skins to make canoes, yeah, and, and then stitching those together, and they actually learned at one point they had stitched it together wrong, and it was leaking uh water through the holes in the stitching, yeah um. But then, you know, using different fats and different greases and stuff like that to waterproof, uh, right? you know, boats and boots they were wearing and right. clothing. So, uh, you know, and, and taking that even farther instead of just using the bare fat, you know, tanning the hides, uh, you know, making right. coats and gloves. And so this is really just kind of coming back around back to things that were frankly right. common knowledge 150 years ago. Right. Um, 200 years ago was not just common knowledge, but it was, uh, it was survival. Right. Right. Um, and, and so we talk about people being capable, like, are you going to need to survive off of bear fat someday? Gosh, I hope not. Yeah, I hope not. Um, But it's definitely, you know, it's stuff that I don't know, stuff that I don't do, right. but I, f- I do find interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. For sure. Yeah. Uh, but talk about that bear fat and, and, and the huckleberries.
0: Yeah, so, and I don't know if I don't know if this is the reason why for sure, but yeah, but we're gonna say it is. Yeah, yeah, exactly right, because we're experts. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. well, we have a podcast. We're self-employed experts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, see. Yeah, and so, uh, (laughs) um, rumor has it that fall bears, their fat is tinted like this. Well, it, it is tinted like this pinkish color, right? And you know, rumor has it is because it's been they've been eating berries for mm-hmm. gorging themselves on berries for months. I mean, you know, they can put on, you know, a hundred plus pounds before they hibernate, you know, which is I mean, think about how much it would take us to put on a hundred pounds in like a, a few months.
1: I feel like that's my calling. <laughs> like just apple pie, peach pie. <laughs> like I'm meant
0: to do that. Same same and then sleep all winter.
1: Yeah, I mean you that know? that bear that the first bear that my son Hank shot. Just had an ungodly amount of fat yeah, on that. That thing. was a big bear. And it it was so, I mean, three inches was minimum. That right. thing had a fat on it. It was unbelievable. Right. That bear that Hank shot last year, uh, zero fat. Yeah. And both fall bears. Yeah. Um, but that, old, that bear, she was uh, an old, old sow, teeth right. worn down. And there was no way that bear was making it through winter. Right. Like she had zero right. fat in September. Yeah.
0: I shot a bear. It was a sow actually last year in October. And it was to this day, it's still the latest that I've shot a bear. All the huckleberries are burned out, you know. And so they're, once the huckleberries burn out, they're switching back over to like grubs, flipping rocks, you know, uh, gut piles from people's elk or whatever they can find. And I shot this sow. Um, and, you know, two things that I noticed from the jump, um, you know, usually this might gross some people out, but usually I will cut open a bear's stomach to see what they've been eating, mm-hmm. you know, just, just so I can know. Right. And so the sow had, had been eating grubs and stumps. She had a little, little bit of wood chunks in her belly with some grubs, stuff like that. And the, na- the neighbor's poodle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, this one was like way, way up there, but, um. I found her in an old huckleberry patch, but when I got her home, um, I noticed that she did not have much fat on her either. Turns out she was 22 years old when I got the tooth age back. I actually found out, I found out the day that I left here and did the podcast with you. Oh, last really? Week. Yeah, I had to happen to check my phone. I was like, "Holy smokes!" You know, but it's the same thing. I think that, um, just like us, you know, the older the older they get. They kind of move out of their prime and um uh, I've shot uh 11 and 12 year old bears in August that have had like six or seven inches of fat on them you know mm-hmm. and that's pretty early in the season all things considered and then you know shoot this sow in October that's got like two yeah you know yeah. so it's uh
1: yeah and and so much of that fluctuates with uh rainfall during the year mm-hmm. you know uh, you know, just much like your garden grows, the vegetation in the mountains grows. Right, you know, similar. Like it needs the hot weather at the right time. It needs right. water, water at the right time. Right. Um. You know, and quite frankly, how much those bears have to travel for food makes yeah. a big difference. Exactly. Um. And it can be a bit bear dependent too on uh just how how lucky does a particular bear get on yeah op- opportunistic finding something dead
0: right right yeah <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> Yeah, um, I
1: agree. I agree. Uh, is it true that you used to be uh, uh, a blonde Irishman? Uh, you were just white as convenient So much bear that your your skin got darker <laughs> over time. Is that You've true? been talking to Isaac Ailman. <laughs> <laughs> is
0: <that laughs> uh, the answer is yes. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I shot my first bear in 2020, but I. I, man, just like so, I got so obsessed with it and like so fascinated by it so quickly. I mean, since then, I've shot seven and it's 2023, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and so, but I was going to
1: say, I, there's nobody I know that talks more about. I mean, you're on the board of what? The American Bear Foundation? Oh, uh, I'm a
0: lifetime member. Or a lifetime yeah. member. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, you should be on the board.
0: <laughs> right. What are you guys doing? Put Brad on the board.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, so much of what you do and think and talk about. I mean, most people are hunting elk all fall. Right. Brett's hunting bears. Right. Um you get your bear and now you're making your wife hunt bear. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. I know poor thing. Gosh, you know, especially hunting them this late into the year, but um yeah. You know, like it's we eat so much of it and 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 that's Part of the reason why I became so obsessed with it, you know, whenever I moved out west, I told myself, there's one thing I'm going to learn how to hunt. It's going to be bears, Mm -hmm. you know, because I was just, like, fascinated by them. So I did learn how to hunt them, and then the more that I've cooked with them and, like, the more that I've learned about processing my own food in particular, like, the more useful I've found Or rather, I should say the more diverse I've found that bear really can be. Like it works, it works really great for pork recipes. So it all, and it also works really great for beef recipes too. And so, like, I mean, uh, yeah, what are some of the favorite, some of your favorite
1: things you do with it?
0: Yeah. So just in the past month or so, I've, I've smoked bear ribs and, like a whole bear butt, you know, which on pork is the shoulder, mm-hmm. you know. I uh, have smoked them both, and um, both of them turned out really good. The only difference is, is that their muscle grains are kind of thick. I mean, you can see it when you cut the meat. It's like their, their muscle grains just kind of have, like, this more robust yeah. look to them. You know, and you got to think like they're all climbing all over mountains and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, so. they're a
1: lot tougher than your
0: average hog. Yeah, yeah, for <laughs> sure. Yeah. And so, um, like a sous vide helps with that because the longer a piece of meat is in a sous vide, then the more it tenderizes it. And so, whenever you're like smoking bear, um, you know, I'd, I will leave it. In the smoker, as long as I have pork, and it still comes out a little bit tougher, you know? So, low and slow as long as you can. Low and slow as long as you can. I mean, we do roast. I'm a big fan of neck roast. You know, it has a lot of, um, like, connective tissue and collagen and stuff like that. So, it's it's not only good for you, but it just adds a lot to the flavor. Um, Ground meat, like, I'll take bear fat and then use my percentages the same way that people add pork to their ground deer. I'll add bear fat to our ground deer and our ground bear, you know, and I'll, I tend to add more to the bear, even though it's leaner than beef or pork in general. Um, I still tend to add more to the bear just cause it really brings that flavor out. And then like, if I had bear fat to deer, I'd keep it still pretty lean, mm-hmm. you know, but, um, uh, you know, so like I'll, and it's the more you cook with it, the more you realize that you can literally just substitute it for venison or beef mm-hmm. or pork. I mean, like we make pasta, like spaghetti, basically we just use bear meat. Yeah, know? we've done that. Uh, mm-hmm. So good for
1: sure. Uh, and I, I will say definitely the you know with us doing all of our bear into sausage, a lot of that is just out of. Uh, Ignorance and kind of laziness of not right. not experimenting and taking sure. the time to learn and whatnot. Um, but I, I will say about the sausage, like we, we raise a couple hogs every year. Mm-hmm. And uh, my daughter has a 4-H pig. So we always butcher one hog right. and, and we keep it. And the biggest problem with like bacon and sausage is mm-hmm. with four kids. Uh, one hog doesn't produce enough of that to keep us throughout, throughout right. an entire year. Right. I mean, we we do eat, you know, we have chickens and stuff. We eat a lot of breakfast. Um, so we cook a lot of sausage. And then my wife obviously uses that in other recipes and stuff. So, like, the right. sausage goes away really fast. The nice thing about putting, like, an entire bear into that sausage is, is someone like yourself might think, well, geez, I wouldn't make that backstrap or I'd do whatever. But at the very least – we're definitely not wasting
0: it. Yeah, exactly. And,
1: and it gives us enough supplement and, quite honestly, kind of something else to mix besides just having pork sausage, right? We can kind of mix it up. But I'll be honest with you, as far as mixing that up and like having something that tastes different than the other thing, you cannot like people cannot right. tell it. Right? I could mix all of our pork and our bear sausage up, yeah, and and feed. Breakfast to people every day, and you would not right. be able to tell the difference. Yeah, you really. And, and can't. we have, we have so many people that come from out of town, stay with us. We cook sausage. I never tell them it's bear. I just cook it, <laughs> and then breakfast is about done. I'm like, "What do you think of that sausage? Right. Like, oh, good. Is that one of your pigs? It's like, no, that was Hank's bear. Um, and they can't believe it, <laughs> right? You know, um, right? So, uh, and and sausage is another one of those things that if it's pork sausage, like nobody eats their pork sausage rare it's yeah. easy to cook sausage to a, a plenty done condition right where you know you're well beyond uh, any worry of uh, exactly you know, triconella right and and uh so I, I encourage people at the very very least make your whole bear into sausage at, yeah. at a minimum seriously and, and then maybe pull the back straps out and start experiencing some of that
0: yeah yeah and, and then go from there right you know it's it's if like I process all my own meat And so, you know, just kind of nerding out on that stuff has what's led me to do, you know, a lot of the things that I've tried. The truth be told, man, like this year, I'm probably going to skip on some of the things that I've tried and just grind it up for sausage or burger Mm -hmm. or whatever. You know, just because we have found that for one, we eat a ton of it. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it's like I don't I don't plan on smoking bear shanks or, you know, butts every Sunday. Right. <laughs> you know, like right. for, for months in a row, you know what I mean? And so it's like, but we do eat a lot of pasta. Right. Or, you know, steak or something like that. I mean, so, you know, I'll take um, the hindquarters especially, separate the muscle groups and then cut steaks out of that. So you get, like, sirloin, um, you get bottom round, you know, you get eye round and stuff like that. Um The front shoulders have really just been putting for grind. And even the bear that I just shot uh, a few weeks ago, or it might be a month ago now, um, you know, took I think three of those shanks and, you know, or no, two of the shanks and put them in the grind pile because we had shanks from last year Mm -hmm. still, you know what I mean? And then um, saved two of those shanks to experiment with. Always keep the neck roast. You yeah. know, in my opinion, neck roast is the best roast. And for bears, if if the bear is not giant or if you have a, a really big crock pot, dude, if you keep that neck bone in there, it is otherworldly. Really? Yeah, it really is. I mean, you know, or if the neck bone is too big, makes the roast too big to keep it in the crock pot, I take it out. And then, uh, you know, I'm from the south, and so we use, like, pork neck bones and stuff for collard greens. So I'll just, like – <laughs> you know, yeah. Throw a neck bone and collard greens. Yeah, you know, but but that's the whole point, though, is that it's it's no different than beef or pork, except that it's wild and yeah. there's wild pigs. I mean, so it's exactly. it's it's really not that different. There's free range cattle. Henry, what's you know? what's the Google the
1: symptoms and the cures uh, of trichinella, uh, and read it to us because I want to hear. Yeah. We say, like, oh, you're going to get trichinella. Like, well, what is that? Like, right. I mean, and, and are, you know, is it going to kill us? What's right. going on here? Right. Oh, here, he's going to pull it up here. Um, I'll
0: tell you one right, thing. I hope symptoms, I don't get it. Mean what,
1: symptoms are right there. Where at? There you go. Symptoms of trichinosis, uh headaches, fevers, chills, coughs, uh, swelling of the face, eyes, achy joints, muscle pains, itchy, diarrhea, constipation all of first symptoms so uh yeah so you're kind of sick and then um google uh like cures oh right here uh they discover you have roundworms trichinella parasites early uh or some shit (laughs) um can kill the worms and larvae in the small intestine. The drugs may cause nausea, vomiting. Well, all drugs cause that. They might, yeah. you know, cause your eyeballs to bleed, your butt bleed. <laughs> uh, I guess what I'm looking at is like, is
0: it easily curable? I think that the, I want to say that like, if I'm not mistaken, the the length of treatment is fairly long.
1: If treatment is not uh, initiated within the first several days of infection, more prolonged and repeated courses of treatment might be necessary. So to your point, it might, might drag on a little bit. Yeah. Um, go down to, is trichinosis curable in humans down there? Right down there, uh, a little bit lower. Curable. Uh, treated with anti-parasitic drugs. Um, can be fatal in, in severe cases if not treated. Well, obviously, uh, yeah, so basically, I'm not saying you like you want to go get it, and you should be eating bear meat right. rare. But like, it's not going to just instantly kill you. You're going to get sick. You're going to feel like shit. Yeah, um, it sounds like basically a lot of pretty much all the symptoms sound like food poisoning.
0: Yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah.
1: And if you know you're eating bear, then you know maybe you should go get checked out. You know sooner than you if you ate at a shitty restaurant in the city. Yeah,
0: exactly. Um, I mean, you got to think some of those symptoms are no different than getting bit by certain ticks down in Texas. That yeah. make you Like the Lone Star tick that makes you, like, allergic to red meat. Those are a lot of the same symptoms.
1: Yeah, and I mean, uh, man, I, I'd be way more scared of ticks uh, that are on the bears than the actual trichinosis in right. the bear. Because, like, you know, Evan Hafer, a bunch of these different people have gotten, uh, you know, Lyme disease right. from ticks. I actually don't think Lyme disease di- – Look out in there and see if ticks, uh, can we get, is there Lyme disease in Montana ticks? I think that's more of a south. Yeah, I thing. think
0: so, like eastern and yeah.
1: south. I don't think, uh, I don't think you can get Lyme disease up here. About, About 25. 25 cases of tick-borne illness recorded in Montana each year. Lyme disease is most common. Oh, you can. 11 um,
0: cases in in the state each year. So out of those 25 Lyme disease only accounts for 11. Yeah, in Montana. Yeah. The that's bottom, pretty low The bottom
1: line there. Where? The ticks in Montana do not carry Lyme disease. Oh. oh. <laughs> so they're, they're probably getting <laughs> well, so they're getting Lyme disease somewhere else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's why I thought. I didn't think we could get it in yeah. Montana. Well, that's good to know. Yeah, I think you get Rocky Mountain spotted fever. The Rocky Mountain wood tick is very common. Yeah, I think that's what you can get is some Rocky Mountain spotted fever from ticks in Montana. yeah. I scared. No fever. <laughs> all right. Well, I appreciate yeah. you, uh, jumping on here. I know it's kind of a, just a short, quick one all yeah, about yeah, bears yeah. and bear meat. Is there something else, anything else we didn't cover or?
0: Um, no, not that I can think of.
1: I just, uh um, maybe websites. Do you have anything that you, any places you go yourself? Uh, I guess the bear grease podcast. Yeah. You know. That's
0: a good one. Clay Newcomb, you he know, he's uh,
1: he's with meat eater and those yep, guys.
0: Yep. And valuable source for for bear information. The American bear foundation is another one. Mm-hmm. Um, We're going to be
1: putting some, uh, some recipes and, and, and doing some articles and stuff on bears and bear meat. And stuff yeah.
0: Too. Yeah. That's the other thing I was going to say is like here soon, you know, like we should have some more stuff doing that. Um, yep. You know, I hate to plug myself, but if you look at my social media, you can see some of the, the food stuff that I've done with bears, particularly. Yeah. What's um, your Instagram? It's uh at Brett Benton underscore, okay. So B R E T T B E N T O N.
1: Yeah, check out uh, Brett's Instagram. Follow him if you're a if you're a bear nut. Uh, the point of this podcast was really is for new people that are thinking about bear hunting, or you know, you'd like to go bear hunt, but you feel bad because like you don't want to kill a bear and waste it. Mm-hmm. Like, please don't do that. But yeah, take that bear, treat it like any other animal, right? Um, you know, take care of the meat like you would any other animal. Right. Uh, one of the big, really big, big things with uh like bears, once you harvest it, is y- you know you got to get that hair and that hide off. Those things yeah. will store heat inside Dude. of them, unlike yeah. any other animal with all that fat. Exactly. Rip that hide off. Um, even the hide itself. Open that thing up and let that thing air out because you you'll you'll skin the hide out and roll it up, meat to meat, and roll it up in a ball, and that hide will will store
0: its own heat without the meat in it yeah i actually made the made that mistake on one of my bears and i think it was one of my bears last year it was i mean granted it was a really hot day when i shot this bear and i shot him late morning so he might have had some hair slippage anyway just for the time it took to get him out but you know same thing rolled up the hide put it in the freezer and then you know it still takes hours even
1: even in the freezer, uh, the the guy I went with in in Canada said that we, we laid our, our hides out, spread open in the freezer because mm-hmm. even balled up and in the freezer, uh, that thing will sit there for literally days and not right. The the I mean that's what that bear fur and that hide yeah. is designed to do is to keep the cold out exactly. Um, so your your exactly. hide can literally spoil in the freezer. Yeah.
0: So, yeah. Um.
1: That's the biggest thing with any kind of meat is getting that thing opened up, getting, especially like an archery season, getting the bones out of it. Right. Like that neck meat you talked about. Like, yeah. you know, only leave that neck bone in there if you think you're properly getting that thing cooled. Otherwise, right. open that thing up or open it up and leave the neck bone in, but just slice that meat open and just let it get some air right, to
0: it. Right, right. Take the, take the trachea out, you know, as soon yeah. as you can. I mean, that's just one of the things that can help that too. Yeah, You know, I mean, there's yeah. definitely got to get them, cooled off man especially because a lot of bear seasons they're really active in the fall where those temperatures outside are still you know 90 degrees in some places yeah yeah
1: yeah yeah no a week ago here it was 75 80 degrees and today it's white and snowing but yeah all right man i appreciate you jumping on yeah thanks josh all right we'll see you